G'day, welcome to the Noob Story Podcast. I am the show's host, Isaac, aka Shrek. Today's episode, Death Pile Phenomena, or the Dock of Death Photo Discussion. Hugely controversial. I really want to just get straight into this. I co-hosted this with Simon Tripp. Um, I started off thinking about death piles and wanted to have this discussion in a long form as usual, because I think sometimes the bite-sized um, communication on social media is lacklustre to put it best. Um, so here is a much longer form discussion with multiple interviews from multiple perspectives about dock of death photos or death pile phenomena. Um, and hopefully this will just get you thinking about it. I know it's probably going to get some hate, might get some love, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. If you do want to get involved in the discussion though, jump on Noob Spirit Community on Facebook. There will be a thread up about this. I'd love to hear your thoughts about death piles or dock of deaths. Reach me there. Anyway, let's hook in straight into this episode that I was, it was good enough to co-host with Simon Tripp, uh, really well-known and regarded Spiro from Sydney. Here we go. This extra special episode of the Noob Spirit Podcast has been sound designed and edited by Brandon Swanapole. Thank you, Brandon. Let's get into it. All right, Noob Spirit community, welcome to the show. Today's episode is uh, very different, very different from normal. It's more of a sort of a documentary style episode about dock of death photos or death pile phenomena, as we sort of call it in the Southern Hemisphere. Dock of death is more of a North American type thing, but we're going to sort of interchangeably use both of those terms today. But I invited legendary uh, Australian Sydney Spiro uh, Simon Tripp along with the show. He's been teaching people to spearfish for years, and we've had him on the show a couple of times before, so it's fantastic to have you back, Simon. Thanks, Rick. Mate, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm not diving as much as I'd like to. I had bloody hay fever for eight or nine days and um, that sort of stopped me from going to the gym, stopped me from getting in the water and one of my mates texted me the other day and said, you want to go diving on Sunday? I'm working the full weekend, um, Murphy's Law. What about you? Obama. I've been doing lots of diving, so Sydney's been fantastic. Look, I think we've had over summer, six weeks, December was just sublime and the first few weeks of January literally really the first two three weeks of January every time I went out was great I've been in the water I don't know 20 25 times it's been over that period it's been sensational so lots of courses I've been doing lots of guys are benefiting from the great conditions and I'm seeing lots of great fish being caught so it's been good it's been really enjoyable mate I read you you a post of yours on social media you were saying unseasonably good viz yeah yeah uh look in Sydney often Look, we come off the back of spring that sees the wind direction change forward in the four directions in four hours practically, so it can get muddy and stirred up. The big kings will come in through spring and then they'll um, disappear and they'll start trickling back over the summer and then as autumn comes on, we'll get another little rush of them, hopefully. But in December, January, the water can get cold, believe it or not. We get a couple of cold days with the northeasters that come in that bring in the, the colder, dirty water. The blue bottles have just come in now. And we didn't have blue bottles all through December, which was uns- not usual, unusual. And this clean water, like we had, I had one day with about seven metres of viz. Otherwise, every other time I've been out was 15 metres and a blue 15 metres up to 25 metres. We reckon one day we had 30, but we weren't game to call it because um, people would call us bullshit. But the video footage I have is just fantastic. I've, I've had a ball filming um as well and just what 
What have you been filming on? Mate, people are calling me a, a, a bubbly, a greenie now because I've just um, not – it's not that I'm sh- – like I still like to shoot fish. And I've got a mate who have started up a mob called Octasub, some spear guns. Uh, they're laminated timber spear guns, open muzzle. They're pretty funky little weapons. We've got an AR-15 handle rear end and an AR-15 handle mid-handle. And they're doing a single sub mech for a rehandle, and they're cool. They're great little guns. So I've been mucking around. You've with been them. you've been buddies with Bob for years, haven't you? Yeah, I have, mate. Well, he's built my guns for oh, I don't He's built my guns for almost thirty years. Um, and oh, the thing I is, I get him on the, the show, he, don't I? You've got to get him on, mate. The first guns he built me, I still use. <laughs> they're still good. So and he's he's doing this, and I'm having a ball. I'm mucking around with them. So I'm shooting fish, but. I like to film and I'm trying to do a fish ID thing. And funnily enough, Daniel Mann brought out a whole fish ID thing for the UK lads. I noticed last week and I thought, fantastic. And I have, I've had that in mind. So I've been getting fish footage all along and just filming the fish. And I'm hopeless, mate. I'm just, you know, I've got the Sony strapped to the side of my head and I'm either too high, too low, not close enough or too close. And it's a bit blurry. So uh, I'm just having a ball. It's like starting out spearfishing again. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to kill fish with kindness through the lens. I was just going to say that. Like, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's another skill set, isn't it, like filming? I, I totally respect people that do it well. Um, and then the, the editing part, forget it. Um, somebody needs to edit for me, I think. So, But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm having fun. It's good fun. Awesome. Well, I brought you on the episode today to chat about death piles, and we're going to have – a lot of philosophical chat through this. So, but basically, like this episode, I um, I headed into Adreno spearfishing, and I found a bunch of people that were in a spearfishing stores, but they weren't necessarily spearos. In fact, one out of the six I chatted to was was a spearo, and I got their sort of their opinions and their thoughts on death poles. But um, I guess we need to start with um, what a death pole or a dock of death photo is. So. In your words, how would you describe a death pile? Oh, mate, just a lot of dead fish. Um, look, a, a lot of, okay, so a lot of fish that are on the ground, lying on bitumen with no one in the photo, uh, or one person with a lot of fish that exceed the bag limit, and there's just one person in the photo, even exceed the bag limit of two people, because you would assume there's his buddy that's taken the photo, but there's enough there for three people in the photo that type of thing bugs me um blood all over the fish guts hanging out the fish doesn't look like it's been kept on ice it's been out in the sun for four hours that's my sort of death pole that i don't like okay um yeah and i I see that you sound like a little bit like me like one of the problems i have with death poles is like you know as you can imagine like running a spearfishing media sort of business or you know, podcasts, like I've got Instagram and I've got Facebook and I'm scrolling through feeds and it's just walls and walls of dead fish that I didn't shoot. <laughs> and sometimes the treatment of the fish is not good. And and like you say, the, 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 the volume of fish per person, or like without context of reading the contents of the comments and stuff like that seems excessive. And it doesn't seem to be portraying in our sport you know, the pursuit of spearfishing in a, in a positive light. So that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mate, you had uh, – I'll just cut in there. I think what might have triggered this for you was that lovely bloke from Lebanon that put up this photo, look what I've caught. And, mate, he didn't give any comment. And people start to pillar him. 
he was bashed. Uh, for, you know, and I said, hang on, hang on, mate, look, and I mentioned culture, and I said, what you've done, you upset people from my neck of the woods because they don't get it, and I understand that you guys don't have any fisheries laws over there because I only heard about that from a, a Lebanese fellow who I was chatting with, diving with, um, not so long ago, and he was explaining all that to me. He's one of my students. And I went, wow, you don't have laws over there? No, nah, no, not at all. Do what you like. So when I explained that to him, he came back and he's really cool with his reply, right? And I saw him post elsewhere that photo and he explained what he did, that he's a commercial fisherman, everything's fine with what he's done, it's a good catch. So he's proud of his catch. And I think he's demonstrating his, the skill of his workplace. So I think once, if people wrote something as well, then that's yeah. okay. But yeah, I might be getting a bit off tack at the moment, yeah. No, no, it's good. We're going to come. We're going to circle back to these comments as we get into this episode. I just wanted to give a little bit of context before queuing this audio. But I went into Adreno Brisbane. I found six people and I interviewed them. I asked them a series of questions. After showing them sort of ten photos of fairly atrocious-looking death poles, and this is kind of some of the comments they had to say. Let's have a listen, and then we'll circle back in and have a bit of a discussion. One of the things I wanted to discover was whether or not people on the street or people that don't even spare themselves had the same or similar reactions to seeing death polls on social media. I, I was super curious as to exactly how other people perceive death piles or dock of death photos. So I headed into the Adreno store at Wool and Gabba and I just pulled random people aside and asked them a series of questions. The first thing I did was show them eight or ten photos of proper proper death piles, like mountains of fish. And just sort of, I was surprised at some of the reaction. Have a listen. Lots of colours. Fish. Oh, the blue ones are pretty spectacular. But Jane's initial thoughts changed a little. Well, at first it looked very pretty. It looked very kind of, very organised, very tranquil. But then as the pictures went on, you could see there's just lots and lots of fish. Just VB was a little bit different and so were the rest. Bit of a catch and cook for whole village. <laughs> That's what I see. Where are these at? They're from all over the place. Yep, yep. Geez, that's heaps of cray. Wow. Uh, yeah, most of them seem pretty wasteful to me. There's no way that amount of people are going to eat that. Sure, that's a uh, centre console boat. <laughs> Shock. Full to the brim of uh, multiple species of fish and lobster. Holy smokes. That's a lot of fish. Yeah, massive, massive catches is what I'm saying. Overfishing. Just seems like too much for one, a couple of people, but still looks like fun. There's, I don't know, there's, there's fishing for eating and there's fishing for sport and then there just seems to be put them in the freezer until there's, we don't need them anymore, I guess. I don't know, maybe that's just me. Heaps of fish, fucking heaps more fish, heaps more fish, fish and lobsters. Just so many fish, where are they getting all these things from? Is this from spearfishing? So by now you've guessed that at least half of these people are not spearos themselves, but they are kind of peripherally interested and aware of spearfishing. Let's go and meet some of the people I had a chat with and find out who they are. My name is Jason. Um, I've become interested in spearfishing or hand spearfishing at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm Juz Vivi. I uh, live around Cleveland area. Yeah, just getting new rubber and stuff, trying to restore my gun from when I was younger. 
My name's Georgia. I'm at Adreno today because I work here in the scuba diving area. I've been working here for nearly four years. Hi, my name's Jane and I'm in Adreno today because my partner is looking at some fins as he's a spearfisher. Do you spearfish? I don't. Yeah, Grant's my name. I've come in with my partner so she can pick out a wetsuit. I don't go online very much. I don't, you know, look up that much about spearfishing apart from how to repair my um, spear gun when I break it. So as you can tell, I chatted with a diverse bunch of people when they weren't necessarily all from one political party they weren't all greenies or lefties or you know any of the other sort of catchphrases we like to throw around for people that don't necessarily agree with the spearfishing life most of these people were peripherally aware of spearfishing what i found interesting was the questions they started to ask about the photos after they had had their first sort of initial reaction. These were some of the ideas and thoughts that they had and the, the information that they wanted to know after seeing some of the photos. Yeah, I'd be asking them pretty quickly where they where they got it from and yeah, then yeah. tips how they did it and all the rest <laughs> of it, everything yeah. pretty much. I guess as well it's all down to how many of those were allowed to be caught, how many of those would just get thrown back having been caught um, and what they're actually going to be used for. Are they going to be used to feed families or are they just going to get thrown away? Some of the ones like that looked more overseas, I mean there could be a commercial purpose for it so it might be a different story but there were definitely a few that were you know two people on a small boat and about a hundred fish. That's extreme. I, I tend to think about bag limits quite a lot when I see really big catches and I also think about um, you know as a, as a Spiro we get to pick what we're taking and I tend to only take what I need uh, and I always wonder when I see massive catches like that whether or not people are taking what they need or they're just out to deplete the resource. Jason and Just VB had some sort of similar questions they wondered they wanted to know a bit more of the story behind some of the catches. Overfishing, yeah. Unless, of course, that was for commercial fishermen to sell to markets. But if there's two guys going out there just bagging them up and taking them home, I, uh, I'd also want to know the size of the family that they're feeding. Not that I'm into vegan or anything like that. It yeah. just seems like if I went out there and caught three fish, I'd be happy. Yeah. And I don't need much more than that because then I've got to clean it. Yeah. I've got to gut it. I've got to all that work and to eat it so, once. Oh. It's a bit too much fish, like if it's just for you and a few of your mates, but like if you're selling it out to like the right people, yeah, or giving it away, it'll be all sweet, but too much overfishing, eh? So what do these guys think about spearfishing and spearos in general? Uh, well, I don't have a huge knowledge on spearfishing, but I am getting to learn more through my partner and his friends who do go spearfishing, who have just started. Um, and they're very much on the assumption that, you know, you think about what you want to catch. You don't just go for anything. Um, you sort of lie and wait and really kind of think about the fish and go for what is going to be the most sustainable. I guess. Mm -hmm. But also it's having a knowledge of the fish. I always say to him, like, you know, when you're under the water, it's going to be so difficult to identify. And I guess this is where problems lie as well. People yeah. spearing the wrong fish. Nah, nah. I don't think spearfishing like that. I think of spearfishing more of a, like, you go out, you hunt for what you need and what you want, only taking the bare minimum that you'll eat. Yeah, like, you don't need to spear that much. One, one or two fish would do you for a week. So like, yeah, 
that's a bit crazy, yes. too crazy. If that's representative of all Spiros, which I don't think it is, but there's definitely too many out there that are like that, it's not a good impression. It doesn't represent the sport well. I think spearfishing, I have a lot of respect for it, but it should be to catch food that you're gonna eat and share and enjoy with others. It's not about catching the most fish or the biggest fish. I don't think that's really what the spirit of it should be. Most Spiros are pretty decent people. Um, I Even from like customer service point of view, I get a lot more problems and I feel a lot more disrespected as a woman from more scuba divers than Spiros. That's definitely my experience. And there's, all, you know, there's good and bad in all of it, but yeah, um, to my surprise and probably to other people's surprise, that's my experience. Absolutely. So of the spearfishing stuff I do follow, usually it's about technique in your free diving more than about the actual volume of fish you're catching. And it's about picking and choosing. You know, you, if you want to catch a big fish, you're going out to catch the big fish and you pick the one that you want and you take it. And then that's, you know, that's your fish. It's, um, I think it's probably a negative impact similar to the sort of thing with um, Big Blue being taken down in Sydney, stuff like that. After I'd shown these guys the photos and got their sort of first impressions on, you know, their thoughts and feelings about, you know, seeing these photos and how they associated that with, you know, what they already knew about spearfishing, I decided to ask them if it was their loved one or their, you know, their mate, their partner, their friend that was doing this sort of spearfishing and posting this stuff on social media would they, what would they say to them? You know, what would they try and influence them or, or what would their sort of, you know, what would they do? Um, it would depend on how close I was with them. I'm not much of a keyboard warrior, but if it was someone who is close to me and I, I know I think should be held to a higher standard than that, I'd probably message them and say, what's the context here? Or just mention it. If it was one of the guys that works here, for instance, I'd definitely question it yeah no I wouldn't say anything that's not my my problem that's what they want to do that's fine but I'm not going to go out there and write a big message to anyone about it it's just like good fishing but that's just me I guess I'm not going to stand on the soapbox and as much as I am now <laughs> well I guess I don't ever know if he'd ever catch that many <laughs> <laughs> he would yeah I don't think it's something that he's driving towards to yeah. do something that extreme for for him it's just about feeding us and close family yeah. it's not about getting a name out there also and he's rubbish with social media <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I definitely have a chat to him and find out you know how they felt about it and uh, maybe not confront them head-on but just plant some ideas in their heads about how to be a responsible fisherman. Now, I don't know about you, but I love new gear. And at spearfishing.com.au have got a huge range, mad flat shipping rate, especially in Australia. And if you use the code NoobSpero, you not only support us, but you get $20 off every purchase over $200. That's right, pump in the code NoobSpero at checkout, N-O-O-B-S-P-E-A-R-O, at spearfishing.com.au and you will save 20 bucks on every purchase over $200. No-brainer. Thanks, Adriana. I, I deliberately found six people that, you know, weren't really, you know, 
your run-of-the-mill social media going obsessed Spiro. So, I mean, there was one Spiro in there, but really they were just five everyday people that were just kind of, you know, peripherally aware sort of, you know, of spearfishing. So I felt like I got, you know, a, a fairly non-biased southeast Queensland view on on, on death poles. But I'm, I'm interested to hear what you thought. Of their opinions, um, uh, I guess I'm impressed that no one really freaked out about it because – I've seen those photos you showed me and I've made comments on at least two of those photos to one of those um, social media influencers who's a young bloke, um, lives in the States, whatever. So, and also I've got to be, and what was pointed out in there, and there were some great observations there from people. A hundred percent. It could be commercial as yeah. well. It could be their business. They could be feeding their families. We, we don't know the story, so you can't judge, right? But when it's repeated and repeated, and you see, I know the history of um, that, those photos, and I've seen plenty more from that person, is it really necessary? And I love the comment the young lady said, representing all, if that's all Spiros, it's not a good impression of spearfishermen. And she said, I don't think it would be all spearfishermen because a spearfisherman I meet are generally nice. I thought that was interesting that um, she came up with that. I love the um, the wow that was brought up in there. Someone was blown away by it. Yeah, what, one of the things that came through was like if people if they if they understood the context of the photo, like in terms of were they commercial people? Was it multi diver, multi day trips, and these sorts of things? I felt like they had a lot more understanding and they weren't so offended by it. Whereas if it was just, you know, mad big files of fish without any context, it's kind of like, holy moly, is is that spearfishing? You know, like it was like they were sort of taken aback. Yeah. None of them really seem to like take a, like a, you know, I hear some, some spearers will defend death poles. They'll say, well, yeah. you know, our ecosystem can sustain this type of pressure. We're fishing well within the legal limits and, and and this is just what we do, you know. And I sometimes I think, well, they could be right. I don't understand their fishery. But then I think it's okay if it's probably just you doing that to the environment. But if every single guy in your spearfishing club and girl in your spearfishing club goes out and fishes like that, then it's surely it's got to have an impact on your fishery, you know. Like none, none of our fisheries are robust enough to sustain that sort of pressure long term. No, they're not. Look, I hear about, I think, um, a couple of those photos are taken around the Florida area, and I hear the fishing is vast there and perfectly suited to spearfishing, and it's phenomenally, like there's hundreds of kilometres of fishing access there. So, it's again, it's like cultural, it's regional. It's hard to comment when you don't know the area and where they're getting it from. It's like the photo of the French Polynesian guys I showed you, man, and you went, wow, wow, that's excessive. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I said, man, they're a bunch of commercial Spiros that shot that over three days. You know, you yourself went, oh, yeah, okay, well, that's their living, that's their fa family livelihood and they're, sh you know, showing up their skill. So that's cool. Um, and so where do you draw the line? Like, Context is everything, isn't it? it? I mean, it is. It is. It really is. Even when you have the context, right, and you understand the story behind it, other people are going to show those photos to government bodies and some of them aren't even going to know that those photos weren't even taken in their areas and yet they're still going to be used against Spiros in, 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 part, in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. This is one of the biggest problems with them, I think. Yeah, yeah. mate, 
I used to see it at, at meetings I'd attend, you know, and they want to lock an area off or stop spearfishing and you're killing all the groper and all this nonsense that just doesn't happen. And they scrounge photos from every, anywhere and everywhere to, to shock people with it. And it's going, hang on, that fish isn't even speared in New South Wales. Hang on, that fish is from overseas. Where are you getting this information from? There was a post on Facebook today of a guy that started out, he quoted Carlos Isles from his book from oh, the 90s, whenever he wrote it, when he was on Catalina Island. And look, it's a, it's a sabbatical journal, like what he's written. And I'll be honest, in the 90s, most people laughed at that book because the guy was too grassroots. <laughs> um, I was a young bloke going, man, this guy's a freak. Like he just lives and breathes the salt and I think he's been underwater for too long. But totally respect where he's, where he's come from, okay? And he was passionate about where, what's going to go on in the ocean and time. And so this guy started on the subject of fish and then went to the slaughter of sharks. But the photo he used was, and he's talking about hunting yellowfin tuna, he's used a photo of a spear fisherman chasing rainbow runner. So he's just lost his type of debate and commentary he wanted. So you've got to have the right argument behind you and the right evidence, I suppose. Another thing was, like, I noticed most of the people I chatted to seemed fairly unwilling to even comment on even their good friend or family's photo. And th this is their good friend or family, people that they can directly influence and they're still unwilling to talk to them. Yes. That shows you that most of the time it's like an iceberg. If you're getting like three or four comments on a social media post that, that are negative, those people are probably indicative of, of quite a few other people that are sharing the same sort of ideas and thoughts about it. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think a lot of people post this big death pile. Let's just call it a death pile and keep what our um, brothers in the States call it. I think people are, some of their, obviously their friends must like it and think, wow, you're amazing. What a guru you are. Like, you know, Beastmaster level, you know, 99. Is that it? Is it ego that causes people to keep posting and posting lots of dead fish? So, and hence there's no one there. They haven't got any friends or peers trying to wake them up. Like you sort of identified, there's commercial, there's commercial people, there's there's charter boat operators. There are people that go out on multi-day, multi-diver trips, and I, I can understand some of the photos. But even as you know, as a person that's been on some of those trips, I look at them and I go, I probably wouldn't take those same photos of those trips. Like I might pull out a few select fish and stand on the back of the boat and, and write a story about each fish. But I don't know that there's a reason to show people the volume of fish that sometimes we might take on a reef trip because it can be used it can be used in a bad way against us. That's it. Yes. So as I used to say to guys twenty years ago, show your mates in your photo album. Do you have a photo album still, Shrek? So you show your photo album at your club meeting, all right, to your mates around at your house having a couple of beers, telling the trip. You don't have to put every photo you've got on the internet. Well, I'm, I'm, it helps for me too because I'm a bit of a slob and don't seem to take a good photo. <laughs> so I never want to be in them anyway. Oh, I was going to say, you know, like the esky shots and, you know, like there's no people in them, like just an esky shot showing, you know, like a bunch of fish in an esky. I don't even think they make good images to share on social media, so I don't. Like, and I, I don't see a point. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, if you, okay, so let's have a look at that. Let's talk about the esky shot because some esky shots are cool. As one of the ladies said, oh, pretty colours. I like all those blue ones. They're probably parrots or something, right? Which is, you know, a lot of people are trying to 
stop us from catching parrots because they say, you know, they do good for the reef. Um, I just see them pooing all around the <laughs> reef, but that's probably the good thing, right? But open up an esky and you see lots of colours and you go, that's a pretty cool box, right? There's, you know, there's the big 10 kilo jack in there. There's a 10 kilo jobby. Oh, look, there's another big jack. That looks like it's a 30 kilo mackerel because that'd be 160 litre esky. There's a couple of nice coros. Great. The next esky photo you see has got eight 20 kilo dead, big dead kingies in it, yellowtail kingies. You go, oh, hang on, that's not good. But there were probably more fish shot in the colourful esky, but that's okay. And that's how I look at it. What do you think? Biomass has definitely got something to do with it. But, um, you know, like we've learned over the years too that some of the larger fish, like sailfish and, and, and dolphin fish and things like that, they are the fastest growing fish and that's some of the most sustainable because a lot of them aren't commercially harvested. And, you know, but someone looks at you shooting a huge sailfish and they go, oh, you're a trophy hunter. What a, you know, you know, like how you're compensating for something. And it's like, well, actually this fish tastes really good and I can feed 30 families with it. And this fish grew to this size in seven years. Like educating the public in our posts is definitely something we need to do. But then like a lot of it, like other sparrows frown on you, you know, like if you're the fifth person that writes an explanation of why you chose to shoot a sailfish, it looks like you're virtue signaling or something when really you're just trying to educate the public about it. Yeah, 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 true. Mate, smoked sailfish is probably one of the best eating fish I've had in my memory. So for what I got, I thought it was great. I've had chances to shoot more, but I haven't, and that's my own choice. Um, but that's that's it. Maybe if I see one, you know, world record one day, I might shoot it. I don't know, but who knows? That's that'll happen on the day. Every day is a different day when you when you see a fish. I'll just mention there's a, a good young bloke who I've known since he's been like twelve. He's a South Coast lad down here in New South Wales, and he and his buddies, you know, they had an awesome experience with a big stripe. It's like, uh, sorry, big black. It's 140, shot on the real gun, had a ball, put a couple of shots into it, landed it in a titty. The fish is bigger than the titty, practically. <laughs> I did see that photo. 140 kilos or something. It's insane. And people, yeah, man, yeah, Mitchy, man, I, I was so happy for them, you know. It's just a great epic adventure and story. They fed everyone, apparently. And there's people saying, why'd you shoot it? Oh, you know, it's a noble creature. It's, you know, it's so easy to shoot. And these are people made on their Facebook profiles. They're holding up big, dirty, 30-kilo sambos that are like the, the second dumbest fish in the ocean. Marlin and- I read your debate. Oh, oh okay. You saw it. Sorry, mate. I'm just, just, I'm just, just doing this while I'm killing time, um, getting this up. But, mate, it's just the, there should be no justification for that. It's legal. It's ethical. Those things are the rats of the sea. They're, they're not in any danger of being wiped out. There's, that, I don't know, there's zillions of them. They're everywhere and they're fast growing. Shoot one, eat one. If the shot presents itself, take it. But if that's, someone else doesn't want to, that's fine. Don't bag someone for taking something like that. That's ridiculous. The way you dealt with that conversation was pretty artful. You did you did quite well. You, you're much better behaved than you used to be, I saw. Uh, it was quite graceful. You like, oh, I know, mate. This, I upset you, a lot you, of people. You I made an effort to now. teach this guy and, and, and share an alternative <laughs> point of view and you didn't, you know, bash him with it. You just, you, you were pretty careful about it. I thought it was clever. It was it was good. Uh, and, I, and other people that are reading that, they'll see that and they'll learn as well, you know. Yeah, I hope so, mate. You got it, mate. Keep educating. I don't mind what people do. So I'm, yeah. the thing, and we'll come back. We're going to mention this for sure. But when you put the wetsuit on, mate, you're representing all spear fishermen. And that young lady said it. You know, you, this isn't a representation of spear fishermen. All of those dead death piles, because she's aware that 
she thinks that most spear fishermen don't do that, and they don't. No. All right? And you can have that one day and you shoot a few <laughs> fish. That's great, but you're not going to do that every day, are you? Oh, yeah. Today's podcast brought to you by brand new sponsor, Neptonics. They might be brand new to the Noob Spirit podcast, but they have been around for years. Neptonics spearfishing produce and represent some of the best spearfishing gear on the planet. Jerry Guerra says, if we sell it, oh, hang on, hang on, let me do his voice. If we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it, and dive it. And uh, Jerry Guerra, he's a, he's a knowledgeable dude, and I, I'll back that Neptonics statement. If they stock it, they believe in it, and you can use it. Neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide. N-O-O-B-10-1-0. Neptonics.com. Proud sponsors of the Noob Spiro podcast. I think we're going to keep circling up with some of these topics as we get through a bunch of voice messages that I've been uh, – and, and discussions that I've had with uh, – patron legends and just influential Spiros from all around. I've got a bunch of them. I want to start getting through them. We can sort of have a listen to one and then maybe have a quick chat after. Uh, let's get into Reese Clay. He left me a voice message. He's a local Southeast Queensland Spiro from the Sunny Coast Club. Uh, he's a patron listener of the show. Let's hear what Reese had to say on Dock of Death or Death Pile Photos. One in Ulam Shrek, it's Reese Clay from the Sunshine Coast. And thank you for sending through those questions about the Death Pile picks. It's definitely something that me and my friends in our spearfishing club have talked about. And firstly, my thoughts on the phenomena and why people do it. I personally have an interesting relationship with these death pile picks. When I started out, I used to take them all the time. And when I look back on it, it was a way to prove myself. And also, I was just stoked on my catch. And looking back at it, you know, I ate all those fish. I was within my bag limits, within my size limits. And when I started out, they weren't target fish. They were silver drummer. They were morwongs, you know. These, these aren't target species where we live. So ecologically, is it that bad? I don't think so. But we've got to look at how the general public perceives these pictures. And from my experience, it's not great. You know, my own circle, my friends and family, it's a fairly left-wing circle. And I don't think the death pile pics are perceived very well. You know, after sending them through to a few friends and family and getting negative reactions, it's something that I made the choice to, you know, stop doing. Even though personally I didn't really see anything wrong with them. I was within my bag limits, within my size limits. In fact, we actually go off the Western Australian uh, bag and size limits because we just think the Queensland limits are too loose. And Western Australia is basically one of the best managed fisheries in the world. Now, if you have a friend or a if you someone you know that's posting these sorts of pictures, what's a good way to engage with them? Well, look, you know, just the way I – someone pulled me up on a few pictures that I took when I started out and I was angry. You know, I, I thought I was doing the right thing and I thought they were being hypocritical. But looking back, you know, they were probably right in just seeing a, a pile of dead fish does not present a good image towards the sport. You know, they don't see the – the day of work and the four people that paddled a kayak a couple of kilometers out and really put in work and filleted everything and, you know, cooked some of the frames and all that sort of stuff, they don't see that. And so I guess if you're approaching somebody, just say, you know, look, you've done a great job, that's an awesome catch, but just we need to be careful because we don't want to put out a negative image and some people are going to perceive that as negative, even though I don't agree with that. Some people are going to see it that way. 
So maybe just post a, fi- a picture with your, the best fish of the day and, you know, just keep the death pile pics on your phone. Don't put them out in the social media world. Anyways, thanks for the question, Shrek, and I'll catch up with you later. Cool. So that was Reese, and uh, really liked Reese, and he's been a long-time member of the community for, you know, you know, forever. And um, I, I quite liked what he had to say there. And, and before we sort of um, tuned out, or while we were tuned out there, like um, you said something that was pretty cool. It was about Spiros and their wetsuits. What was, what was it you said? Uh, an old buddy of mine brought it up years ago, Darren Higgins. He, um, he's got the Cedalcraft bolts now, but that's sidetracking. But Darren Higgins um, told me when we're having this discussion on ethics and what's right and what's wrong, and I've carried this mantra ever since he said it, every time you put on a wetsuit, you're wearing a uniform representing all spearfishermen. So do the bloody right thing. <laughs> and I, I can't summate that any better. And don't be a dickhead, basically, <laughs> when you're wearing a wetsuit. Just just remember that. And that's easy. Just respect your catch. And Reese Clay goes up another mile in my estimation of that young man, and he should be the AUF national president with an attitude like that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fabulous. I'll uh, vote, vote one Reese Clay. I think it's good. And can I say that we, a lot of us are trying, not a lot of us, but there's a few of us in the club scene down here in Sydney, we try and endorse the six stages of spearfishing, and it creates great debate. And Reese is talking about his stage two. So the stage one is the beginner stage that you just want to shoot a fish. And stage two is the bagging out stage. I want to shoot lots of fish. Okay. And you can go to any stage throughout your diving career. It depends on your mood. But everyone goes through that stage. I want to shoot lots of fish. And he's right. Just be selective in what you show. We're going to talk more about the stages of, you know, the maturity stages of a Spiro because another person brings up this, this point. So we'll go there a little bit more, I think, in depth. Right now, I want to I want to head over and and chat with Greg Rothhouse, who makes he makes a couple of absolute cracker points. So let's have a chat with Greg now. Hey, Shrek, this is uh, you know your loyal Patreon listener, Greg, talking here. And um, hey, thanks for reaching out and thanks for pinging me for my opinion on on that. I've, I got to tell you, I've really enjoyed your podcast a lot. Uh, I literally have listened to every one of them, and I got notes on them, and I've learned so much from them. So thank you for all of that. And I look forward to all the other ones. Um, yeah, you know, you picked this interesting topic to start off with. And, and uh, it really brings up, for me, two conflicting feelings or emotions about it. You know, number one is a philosophy I have of not really telling anybody else who's spearfishing how to go about what they do, you know. I don't like to get in their gear. If they take a, if they take their limit every day, then that's within the law. And, and, and you know, they, they can do that. Um, so I just kind of try to stay out of their, their space and what they're doing and just have a good time with them. And and I wouldn't and I don't really, you know, get in their gear if I think they may be overfishing a little bit or not treating their catch well and respecting their catch. You know, I just uh, let them just kind of do their thing and stay out of their gear. But, you know, I got to tell you, since you asked, I'll tell you, it, it really bothers me to see those pictures and to see that um, and what the impact of those can be for for uh, for spear fishermen and for the reef. You know, um, people use those pictures against us. Areas that you probably have been to and I've been to have been shut down because, you know, their feelings that they're being overfished and then using those pictures like that, you know, to shut us down. And uh, so there's really consequences for that beyond, you know, just kind of high fiving yourself and throwing them out there and letting everybody see what you did. There's consequences down the road for that. And we all have to be really careful. 
You know, they, they will lock Spiros out of areas uh, quicker than they'll lock line fishermen out of areas. We all know that. So I just think it's something, um, you know, to be really careful of and uh, maybe focus more on some of the, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to focus on some stuff, focus on uh, some of the cooking and some of the grilling that you do afterward and showing how you're using the fish and respecting your catch and all of that. I think sometimes those, those will go a long way. So again, thanks a lot for reaching out and um, I, I appreciate it and keep up the great work. I can't wait to hear your next, uh, your next podcast, man. Take care, Shrek. Bye. I think um, he latched onto a good point there about they'll lock Spiros out faster than they'll lock out just about any other use group. And um, you've experienced that down your way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, there's some sage comments there. So I like that. The consequences are massive. The ramifications. We talked 20 minutes ago about people will use anything they can as a weapon against us. And I don't mean to, I'm not sounding neurotic. It's just that I've had to deal with it. My associations had to deal with it. My peers have had to deal with it since 1948. Right. Um, and your, if your state representatives and blokes and Oz, probably I'd say 80% don't even know that there's an association representing them. Okay. The reason why they're allowed to spearfish in that area, it's not your God-given right, no. In the Constitution, they can take that away tomorrow from us, okay? It's in the Constitution. It's that the people lobby and fight for access, and they're a small bunch of people in every state that do it, thanklessly. Not I've stepped away from it a fair bit now, but in every state, Australian Underwater Federation and the USFA, the Underwater Skin Divers and Fishermen's Association do it. So, yep, I totally agree with Greg there with the consequences you got to look out. Some absolute champions lobby government and they go above and beyond the call, like Simon Horvath down your way. like, And, and it burns people out because it's a difficult line to tread and, and, um, and there's a lot of work involved. And it's tireless work of people that lobby governments around the world that allow us to spearfish. Like there's countries in Europe, like Germany, where they're completely banned from spearfishing. There's no rationale for this. There's no good science to back it up. It's purely done because parties have lobbied the government to remove the rights of Spiros, and this is something that we should all be concerned about and grateful for. Yeah. I, I look at it, and I'll hark on with this, with Greg's point, the consequences. You look at jet skiers, all right? <laughs> now, the New South Wales government one day just said, no jet skis allowed in Sydney Harbour anymore. No consultation. No consultation. Just said, bang, gone. And that scared us in the association and spearfishing who went, whoa, they did that. There's more jet skis and Spiros at the time. Okay. Um, we were blown away by that. That that shocked us. So that put us on our toes even more. And, and you know, we dug a little bit deeper in the trenches. While we're talking about Sydney, let's get down to a bloke who left me a message from your area. His name's Adam Basir. And uh, hear what Adam had to say about it. Hey, Shrek, this is Adam. I uh, really like what you're doing with the podcast and glad I can be of uh, help to you with this uh, really contentious topic here. Um, yeah, uh, I guess diving straight into it, um, I really enjoy seeing images and multimedia of people lining up shots on the pelagic as it's coming broadside and knocking it out, you know, posting it up there. It really feeds the stoke. Sydney's weather's been a bit strange lately, so... Seeing videos like that has been really feeding the stoke and uh, really looking forward to heading into the water and applying the knowledge from what I've learned from your podcast or from uh, videos on YouTube and see what I can do and hopefully get my first uh, kingfish in the bag. But, yeah, I guess with these images, it's a bit different. You, know, you do see quite a few of these, um, not often, 
but I don't think they uh, can be seen in a positive light unless someone really understands the context behind it. We've had situations before, I guess, in the spirit channels on Facebook and our own messenger groups where even an image like that posted up in a, uh, a community, spirit community in particular, can really lead to quite a bit of criticism. And in fairness, that person did not really kind of outline, hey, we respect the bag limit. Um, you know, we've had a few spirits with us. You know, this was very much going to be my freezer for, and feed the family for the next four months. You know, people can't really see that in an image or in a video. All they see are the numbers and the person smiling behind it. And, you know, it can lead to quite a few problems, um, especially for that individual or community at large. You know, it's just not something that we should probably encourage, I think. Um, you know, we've had similar instances in land-based hunting where someone knocks over a, uh, a deer and posts up an image of them posing with the deer horns. That causes quite a bit of backlash, especially with people who are a little bit more conservation-focused. But that understanding of the tagging structure, the licensing, seasonality of, of hunting and how it helps with, with pest control, um, it's not really laid out in those structures. So we do really need to be very conscious about setting out that context. And as bureaus, I think we could really help by setting out context, really laying out what we're doing in the water and letting people know that it's not the easiest thing to do. We're not successful all the time. Yeah, there, there's a bag limit. There's a structure of department of fisheries and um, we'd like to get that going and be ethically and uh, environmentally responsible. We can be that way. Cheers. Simple, accurate, deadly. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, and save $30 on any spear gun for a limited time only. Go to killshotspearguns.com, check them out for yourself. Handmade in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin. Use the code NOOB, N-O-O-B, or head into the shop and say, Crikey, mate. And apparently Ed will hook you up with a $30 discount on any timber spear gun. Get your hands on one, killshotspearguns.com. So... Simon, unfortunately, due to technical issues, like Adam's voice message dropped out a little bit there for you, but basically he was reinforcing the ideas that, you know, when you post these images, if you provide context and people understand the nature of what it is that you're doing, like in terms of, you know, the efforts it's taken, the bag limit, the size limits, the seasonal nature of the take and things like that, like people have got a lot more um, empathy and understanding for what it is you're doing. And so, you know, maybe, maybe there is a place to post catches that might be considered excessive in some parts of the world as long as you provide a lot of context and people can understand what it is you're doing and um and other people will stick up for you too like if you provide like that tahitian fisherman you were talking about if 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 um if that guy wrote and provided context for what he was doing and someone else attacked him other people will jump on and say hey man that's his way of life that's what he does for a job so yeah and once he got wind of that he did it and plenty of people did stick up for him and then plenty of people have been over there or been in those style of islands, how it's done, already knew to stick up for them. So, yeah, um, yeah, don't go firing bullets until you actually know a bit of background too might help. But then the people who don't spearfish wouldn't know to ask. So they're the ones we've got to watch out for, as uh, Greg mentioned earlier. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's. Look, we're going to head off to Tampa Bay to talk with uh, with Ben Choi. He was a past guest way back in the day. He's his, a lot of his spearfishing has been done in the Texas, Florida area. Um, he's now a ship captain, and he's a really experienced spiro. Really was I was really keen to hear from Ben because I saw a post on Tampa Bay spearfishing uh, on their Facebook group by a bloke named Milo, and he said, <laughs> and I, I like his comment. It was like I like this whole conversation. Parts of it were not respectful but it was funny to read nonetheless he says this is going to be unpopular and get some of your panties in a bunch but fuck it can you clowns stop posting your entire dock of death fish box wheelbarrow loaded cooler every single time you go out half of this group murders a lot of fish me included but there's a reason we don't post it because it helps literally nobody other than your social media egos all it does is create a bullseye for spearfishing and yet another reason to drive a wedge in the recreational sector. Snap a shot of your prize for the day and share that, not your entire slash sesh. And then um, there's this huge conversation that's boiled over as this sort of happens on social media. And Ben, who I know, chimed in on it. And I liked some of his comments and I really wanted to hear some of his genuine thoughts and feelings about the situation. So let's have a listen to sort of Ben. He's he's left me two voice messages, so I'll play them truck and trailer here we go i'm liking this already hey isaac it's ben from florida uh, just wanted to take a few minutes and give you a little recording about my opinions about the dock of death pictures i've definitely been guilty of posting my fair share of dock of death pictures on instagram you know i think some of the motivation for posting those pictures is to brag about you know your awesome catch that you've gotten that day uh, i don't think there's anything wrong with that um, but at the same time, there's definitely an argument to be made for not posting those pictures. You know, I've seen the negative effects of those pictures being used against spear fishermen and fishermen alike in regulatory meetings, uh, fisheries, regulatory meetings that, you know, they say that, oh, look, you know, you killed 40 or so hogfish or 40 or so snapper. You know, look at how destructive you're being to the environment. Um I don't think that's sound science. I was using Facebook pictures or social media posts to quantify the stock assessment of any fishery. With that being said, you know, I do plan on cutting down on my dock of death pictures. I've definitely taken my share of flack for posting those types of pictures, but I also don't want to preach at anybody and tell them that they shouldn't because ultimately it's your prerogative. Um, and having spearfished for a long time, I've seen a lot of changes in the fishery and a lot of changes in the spearfishing world. And I've started to realize that, you know, you don't need to brag and post as much anymore that than you need to. With that being said, you know, it's always nice to show everybody your catch and share that with some people whenever you get a good catch in. I don't think we should actively be discouraging posting those pictures. I think, you know just going to let people do what they do um, but at the same time also education and giving them the larger picture and explaining that to a lot of people will definitely go a long way hey as i had some more thoughts that uh after i finished recording but just reading through your message you sent me you know how does the general public perceive these pictures and i think that's really the bottom line is that you know they may see these pictures as excessive and slaughter you know um 
But I think it's a lot to do with education as well. You know, how many people were involved in taking that catch? You know, you could have had six, seven guys on the boat that day, six, seven divers. And when you split it up, really, it's not that much meat. You know, if each one of those people had posted the same picture of that catch divided by six or seven, it wouldn't have been that impressive and the outrage wouldn't have been there. Uh, So I think a lot has a lot to do with education of the public. I think the wrong way to go about you know, engaging with these people who post these huge dock of death pictures is just to preach at them. I think the correct way is, you know, to get more information on the day. And, and, and if they're within the regulations of, you know, the local regulations, and if they're within the law, then, you know, there's really not much you can do. I'm not saying that, you know, dock of death pictures are horrible. I'm not saying that they're the best thing in the world either. Um, you know, I think they're just going to be a fact of life part of spear fishing part of fishing anybody who goes out and fishes wants to share their catch with their friends and now that they have social media to share their catch with the rest of the spear fishing community i don't think we should actively discourage it you know but at the same time i think we should increase education on what the species are and what the regulations locally are you know you can just post a picture and Everybody will assume that you killed all those, you know, 60 fish or whatever by yourself. But if you educate the public in your post saying taken by six spear fishermen over two days, a two day trip, you know, I think it'll go a long way. So I hope this helps and uh, hope you're doing well. Take care. Oh, good. So that was um, Ben Choi. Like I said, an experienced spearer and a, and a really nice guy. Like I, I've got a lot of time for Ben. Um, he had a blackout a few years ago on a wreck and he was humble enough to share that footage publicly along with some of the lessons he learned. And I think that's a huge thing because, you know, so many people just aren't aware of some of the things. So, And he gives back to the community. I've got a lot of time for Ben. So I was really interested in some of his comments, particularly about just teaching guys that do share, you know, catches that could be perceived as excessive, just providing some context. What did you, what were you, what did you think, Simon? I grinned all the way through that. You could see me gritting. Um, yeah, I like Ben. I remember that podcast well. It was a good interview you did with him, and I've seen the video. Well, so Ben's at that stage six that we call stage six, the statesman stage. Uh, I want to give back to my environment and my tribe. So he's sort of at that level by his contribution here and what he said insights. 100%. So he's, you know, he's also reflecting on what he used to do, and he mentioned that. Everyone's guilty of it. 100%. And you can't preach. I totally agree. Like you mentioned before about uh, I used to upset people on Facebook because I used to preach and I still kind of do, all right? No, you can't do that. And I'd be sending people messages. You know, you might see me post publicly, but I'd be sending people private messages going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Like (laughs) think about it. They're young blokes. They don't care. They tell you to, you know, fuck off. You know, what's the classic line? (laughs) You hate all young spiros. You just get jealous. You're an old man. You can't do. You haven't shot a fish for years. I pissed myself laughing. Right? I go, what? Where are you getting that from? Begging young spiros. I've nurtured. uh, Anyway, look. So yeah, he's right. Send them the picture of you with that big Maori rasp before they shut the fishery down for them. (laughs) Look, that's um. You can't. You know, everyone's been there. Everyone's done it. And you learn. It's experience. You just learn. Those blokes in 10 years' time will be going, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, you shouldn't do that, kid. All right? And they they would have forgotten about me. And they're going to say, don't do that to someone else, the next gen. And I hope they do. So I think 
that's hit the nail on the head what Ben said that's very very good it's true in what he says those things you can't it's hard to throw stones if you're living in glass houses I think um ideologically or politically in America there's a bit of a split between Florida and California which are their two most populous spearfishing states I like people from both states and I love spearfishing and I generally like spearos politics and bullshit aside I just think spearos are a good bunch and you know obviously we try and influence each other for the better and all the rest of it but right now just to stir shit Let's go to the other side of the country and talk to a Californian. <laughs> this is Nick. Uh, Nicholas Zajacek, I think is how you say his name. Also a patron listener and a really top bloke. I'm hoping to get him on the show at some stage in the future. Hey, Shrek. This is Nicholas Zajacek. I'm currently based in Southern California. Thank you for having me weigh in on the dock of death or death pile phenomena. So I've actually discussed this with my local Spiro community and some friends and family. And the general consensus on this phenomena is that the context of the social media posts is really important. For example, a spearfishing charter posting a death pile post on their account, that's basically expected. And also the perception will be that this is a multi-day or multi-diver effort. And so that doesn't seem to be a problem. It's just the advertisement from the charter. When this is on a personal social media account, that's where it potentially can be problematic. This is because spearfishing is regarded, and I think rightly so, as a sustainable and selective sport. And if you're seeing posts of all these dead fish when it can maybe seem like it's just this one spiro, that can really change the perception of the sustainability of spearfishing. And perception is reality sometimes. Another thing to mention, and this has been talked about on your podcast before, is that social media posts like this can just lead to one-upmanship, um, and it just perverts the motivations in spearfishing. If an Instagram post becomes the most important motivator, then that's when you really have to step back and look at why you started doing the sport and why you love it. But with that being said, and coming back to the context of it all, if a catch is legal and it will be cared for and shared and consumed, then a spirit has a right to do that. Something as simple as including the details, maybe in the text of the post about how many families this will feed and possibly even the sustainability of the catch due to the species growth rate. Details like that will help educate the general public. It still shares the stoke of the catch. Um, and it's not just a simple boast on your social media Instagram account. And it's important because showing that we as Spiros are being stewards of the ocean, it helps our sport grow. It helps new members find us. It helps regulations written about the sport, um, not just focus on maybe uh, a death pile trend of posts. Um, so to sum it up, the perception of our sport is really key and therefore providing context and educating the general public if we choose to engage in posts like this is pretty key. And in general, I think it should be discouraged from personal accounts as much as possible. Thank you. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spearfishing trip, think. What would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn 
the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. Guys, Sparing Magazine have joined the Noob Spiro podcast to bring this episode to you today. Now, Sparing Magazine are, they're, they're actually, they're the best spearfishing magazine in the world. I'm saying it, Turbo said it, now you know it. And uh, if you head over to Sparing Magazine, you can check out the team. They've got Jeremy Gamble, John Paul Castro, Sky Bailey, Christopher Landers. You have a look, there's some fantastic people they've got on staff. And that's why they produce the world's best spearfishing magazine, the photography it's just popping. The stories are awesome. Turbo's been rejected several times. And uh, that's how you know it's top quality. So head over to SparingMagazine.com. You can buy it at your local retailer in the US. You can even get the digital subscription online, SparingMagazine.com. All right, Simon, that was Nicholas from uh, California. And um, what did you think? I, I, I sort of liked his underlying question there, you know, like, what, what is your motivation? For spearfishing like why are you doing this thing I've, i mean on a personal level like i've caught myself going out and i'm kind of like yeah i'm gonna shoot this and i'm gonna shoot this and i'm gonna shoot this today and then i've got out and like the first half of the day is just rubbish because i was just focused on the wrong things and then when i finally tone it down a couple of levels relax start breathing just enjoying the the environment and my mates that's when i start shooting the good fish mate i, I totally agree i just go out not even knowing what I'm going to get. I don't put any expectations or ambitions on fish or on depth or anything. Just go out and have fun. That's what it's about. If you're spearfishing for likes, there's a tr- problem with that. I remember years ago, there's a, it was, bef- you know, I'm not an Instagram type of guy really at all. Um, I've been introduced to it recently through work, but I had mates po- posting me photos of a guy that started up a kook page. And uh, I'd have snapshots being sent to me for a lot by mates just laughing, look at what this guy's done now. And he was putting up photos of all of these people that were social media, Instagram, the dudes who I don't see on Facebook, you know, but just posting up heaps of fish, heaps of fish, heaps of fish. Um, yeah, this guy used to take the, the piss out of them. So, um, and they'd get upset by it, the people when they were posted on there. I, I found that found that quite funny, actually. And he took no prisoners it was all around the world. He, he, he must have spent his whole life on Facebook or Instagram. But, uh, yeah, so don't, I, don't spearfish for likes. It's, it, it's, it's incredible, yeah, why, why people do that. Business, yeah, I can kind of understand that. Um, but, yeah, death piles. Let's get back to death piles. <laughs> all right. Um, we're off to, to Cal- well, we're staying in California, but we're just heading slightly further north. I'm going to chat with Eric Anderson, who's uh, he's also yeah Central Cali Spiro, and uh, I've got a slight man crush on him. I've got to admit it. Um, really like Eric. I haven't got a, a lot of time for this bloke as well. Actually, his full interview is now will be live by the time this comes out. It's episode 149. So if you want to hear more from Eric, then tune into that. But here's what Eric had to say, particularly uh, about death piles. Hey Shrek, thanks for uh, reaching out and happy to provide some perspective on this uh, murder. No, I kid, red rum. No, uh, there's so many, uh, so many fish in these photos. Um, I would hope it was more than two guys with some of these, and it looks like a cast net was thrown <laughs> to catch some of this. 
But, you know, I have a, my own personal philosophy with spearfishing and sustainability. And, you know, to me, if you work in an area, you have, say, five spots and you rotate through and seasons and you know what the fish behavior is and, you know, the patterns of specific species and some take longer to grow and some don't. And, you know, you can identify the ones that can be targeted uh, more often and then identify the fish that you should let pass every now and then, let them grow a little bigger, etc. But, you know, ultimately, I don't see the point in taking photos like this. Uh, there's some negativity already already associated with, uh, you know, hunting and fishing and the extent of the hunt and the kill. <laughs> and to me, this just adds to this. And then also, this doesn't look sustainable to me. You know, I, I like to make the argument that spear fishing is very selective and sustainable for all the reasons I outlined before, but these photos really don't do it. Uh, yeah, I think the general public really is, is going to see something like this and be a little turned off. Um, it also has a bit of uh, that macho machismo, like, look, look what I killed in the ocean. Um, when you have a lot of spear fishermen out there, uh, like the guys and, and gals on your podcast who really are trying to put forth an, uh, a message of conservation and, you know, take care of the ecosystem, the ocean. This, this to me is counterproductive to that. Um, I don't know if we should actively discouraging it, but you know, I sure as, sure as hell ain't going to double tap these photos on Instagram. <laughs> you know, it, I don't know anybody who, who does this. This seems to be, um, you know, common in, in maybe the eastern United States and some areas. I'm assuming some of these photos are taken around Florida. But, you know, over here, if someone came out of the water with that amount of fish over even a certain amount of days, I'd probably speak up and be like, damn, what's, what's the point in that? You, you can get a license in the dragnet if you want to take that many fish. But those are just my thoughts. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion as we, uh, take to heart very dear here in the United States, but uh, I appreciate you reaching out and um, I'm, I'm watching the, the, the time here click by and I think I'm going to make it exactly three minutes. Thanks. So, I mean, Eric, Eric is, um, he's a veteran Marine. He's not, you know, like a trendy lefty by any means, like the guy loves the spearfishing. So for him to share that, I was, I was kind of, you know, like it's kind of in line with sort of my own thoughts if I'm, if I'm honest, but um, what did you sort of get out of that? I, I'm glad we're not alone. Um, there seems to be a recurring theme here from these guys who you've been interviewing or who donated their time to talk about this. It's all this, it's always going to be there. Um, you can mention it, but you can't, won't be able to stop it. There's always going to be that look at me, look what I can do syndrome. And yet we've got the sustainability issue. We've got the respect of the ocean. All these guys think the same things. Is it just because these people that are doing it are new to the sport, haven't been in it for long, haven't had good mentors? Um, do they need good mentors or who's given them the mentoring? It's like there's some really sage advice, you know, comments that have been done here that you've, that you've garnered. It's fantastic. It makes me feel good because I look at it and go, oh, I cringe. I feel really bad. And Eric said it so well. It's not what you think that spearfishing is about and not what you tell people that what you do is about. This is a complete misrepresentation. And we go back to that young lady that doesn't know much about spearfishing at all, who you interviewed at Brisbane, that says, I hope that's not what spearfishermen do. Yeah, so who does, who does do it? Well, there's people that do it. I don't really know them. I don't dive with them. You don't 
probably die with them, nor does Eric, nor do a few of these boys. But somewhere along the line, we have done it. But did we publicise it? No. There's cultural things here and, um, you know, there's there's the effects of socialisation too. And a lot of the time I think some of these guys, you know, these guys that share their catches, they don't want to be cowed by people they perceive as like from small fringe lobbyist groups which all of us as Spiros can 100% relate to and i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not entirely sold on this i'm not saying that people can't do it i just want to have the conversation and present all the sides of this argument i think you're the same as me simon you like you know like guys that are the ones asking the questions are the, you know the ones talking about it in talking to each other, they're the ones where the culture grows along with them, you know. And I think spearfishing has grown a long way, you know. Like, I mean, imagine, Simon, you know, like we look at pictures from, you know, magazines in Australia from the 50s and 60s. And, you know, the magazines that were being churned out even in the noughts, they were very different than the magazines from 30, 40 years ago. So I think maybe, you know, spearfishing is changing as a sport and as a lifestyle pursuit. But um, yeah, let's let's head back to Florida. Are you, are you keen to hear from another Floridian? Always, man. I have a real soft spot in my heart for the Yanks, and I I could it's definitely on my travel destinations. Anyway, we've got Ryan Rush here with his opinion on Dock of Death. Let's get into it. Hey guys, Ryan Rush from Florida. Before I get into the controversy of the Dock of Death photos, or I like to call them Box of Death, I want to give a big shout out to Shrek and Noob Spiro. Thank you guys for supporting our club and our community year after year. Now, my opinion of the Dock of Death photos is pretty simple. Most of the people that complain or have an issue with it either are vegan, they don't spearfish, they don't believe in hunting, and they're just trying to push their beliefs onto others. Also, I've noticed that divers that do hunt and spearfish that have an issue with this dive or come from communities that have the worst fishing regs. A great example of this is Hawaii versus Florida. In Florida, we have one of the most heavy regulated commercial and recreational fisheries in the world. And because of this, our numbers show it. We're able to go out and get 10 snapper per day, two grouper per day, and so on. Now let's take a look at Hawaii, for example. I'm fresh off the plane. I don't need any fishing license. If I want a commercial spearfish, all I have to do is pay a $50 license fee, and I can hunt pretty much anything I want and as many numbers as I want. Now, next time you see a docker death post or photo, take into account where they were diving, if they were following local laws, and if so, don't complain, guys. Just because your fishery is suffering doesn't mean everyone else's is. Now, if you're a diver and you post a dock of death photo or post and people start getting upset, don't take this opportunity to fight with them. Take this as an opportunity to educate them. Let them know that you were diving sustainably, safe, and that your local fishery can't support these numbers. In the end, the only thing that matters is that you're diving safe and you have fun. So get out there, guys. Stay wet and stay savage. Hey, Shrek, man. I laughed at right. No disrespect, brother, but I love that opening sentence, man. Vegan, et cetera, et cetera. That just cracks me up. The greenies, that's great. And Shrek, totally, like, as we said at the start, and I think even before we, we started rolling, we, uh, we were talking about culture and legality and what's you know happens on one side of the coast is completely different to the other. And you see it North Queensland v New South Wales. You see it Coffs Harbour v Sydney. Like, what's the problem? Well, this is the problem because we're heavily regulated down here, and we get in the shit uh, for this type of thing because we got a whole heap of grannies on our doorstep. So yeah, um, I I can't argue with some of his logic there. 
at all, and I, I'll endorse it. Yeah, 100%. It's like um, sometimes it's, you know, the whole world is held to ransom because of, you know, a small bunch of people that just make a lot of noise. And it's an unfortunate reality, you know, like we have these fringe groups that, you know, they'll take snapshots, screenshots of the photos you've shared without the context that you've provided and they'll take them and they'll start screaming at someone like, this is evil, you know, and then all of a sudden someone has to listen because they get on the right platform, they get in front of the right media and then all of us deal with the consequences and the fallout from it. So Ryan's going to he, – he, he had some solid points. Like a commercial Spiro from Lebanon who we spoke about earlier, man. It's like unless you know – you know, you, you can't bag the guy, okay, and once he explains it. And as many of the commenters here have said, just put some context behind what it is, what's happening and what's doing. You know, put some more guys in the photos. And as Ryan said, you know, we've got laws. We're heavily regulated. The fishery is safe and sound. Do that. It's great. We're having that this issue in Sydney with Kingies at the moment. You know all about that. Mate, just there's, a, there's people... How do I say this? I don't want to get emotional or get fired up and start speaking too quickly and whining. However, the kingfish are back, okay, in Sydney. They're back. We had kingfish traps 20 years ago. They got yeah, longer and the kingfish got decimated by these floating fish traps. And now they've stopped that. They realised the error of their ways, the government and the commercial fishery. They'd wiped the kingies yeah. out. That's an exaggeration, but they were, they were sparse, man. And they bounced back and they took a few years. We started to see them come back in numbers and then they disappeared again and then they came back. And they've just been coming back slowly but surely. We've had some great kingy seasons and big ones are here. And the science is saying is saying that what we're seeing this last couple of years is because of an exceptional season five or six years ago of spawning. We're seeing this now. And look, I'm just grabbing five or six years. It might be seven or eight or three or four. This is why. And we're not going to have that again because of an exceptional spawning season. Um, so, no, it, it needs to stop. We're killing too many. But everyone's catching fish and everyone's happy they're catching a fish. It's why you pay the licence. It's why we're regulated, why there's a size limit on them. And it's quite a big size limit. And I hear talk they want to up at 10 centimetres, maybe 15 centimetres. So that's getting selective and trophy size now and for the elite because it's quite difficult for a newbie to shoot a kingy. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes um, the way the fisheries determine size limits for, for fish is determined on allowing them to have one reproductive cycle. So I'm not averse to sometimes upping the limit so they get two or three breeding cycles through, as long as it's backed by science. Yeah, true, man. And this is why they jumped to 65, because they said um, they'll get be able to get a throw of the dice then by 65. And now the new science... And I can't validate this, but people are saying that it might need to be bigger for it to work better. 65 is quite a large fish. and, and it's you, three kilos. I'd really like to hear how many reproductive cycles they're getting through. A yellowtail kingfish, or the, you know, they're, I think they're actually a greater amberjack. The North Americans have the, the cousin of the yellowtail kingfish that we have here. They, they're a very strange fish, aren't they? Like they're, they're pelagic, but they have quite a small range as far as I understand it. And like they apparently they they are fairly vulnerable to fishing pressure. Um, but I would really like to hear some science behind it all. Mate, I've seen science of it with tagging that the kingies go straight out east off Sydney, um, and they go out wide, and then they'll come back in. They might might not necessarily come straight back into Sydney, but it might be forty k's down the coast or forty k's up the coast, depending on the current movement, what they do. But it's not like they travel 
north and south, but they go east and then west. I've, I've seen that discussed and talked about. You know, you get the boys up the mid-north coast, north coast, and they see us shooting a, you know, some young bloke puts up an AKI kingy and everyone's frothing in Sydney. It's like, what's the big deal? What are, what are you doing? But when you go up the north coast, you fall out of some of those bombies up there and you break your shoulder on, you know, 50, 15, 20 kilo kingfish. They're everywhere. They can be. Do you know what I mean? So it's a different context. And it's like what um, Ryan's talking about. You're getting all excited over nothing here, guys. What's wrong with that? Yeah, and there is a little bit of that too. Like there's a lot of overreaction to stuff. I think for, for me, like part of what's more my hunger to do it is just the amount of fatigue that sets in when you do see walls and walls of death. But most people aren't exposed to what I'm exposed to. Like the general public aren't going to see my Instagram feed. Otherwise, they might be horrified. They're only going to see a select few pictures. But, yeah, nevertheless, it's still a conversation that needs to happen. Let's bring it back to Australia. I want to talk to Jesse Spiller, another uh, patron listener and an all-around good bloke, of course, because he's a patron. Hey, Shrek. Uh, I don't think you can address death piles without talking about spearfishing competitions. I think comps are a big driver behind, you know, why people make and photograph and, and share death piles. So I don't really know much about comps. I've, I've never competed in one. They seem a little bit stressful. Uh, my jam is just relaxing and putting some dinner on the table. I only take one or two fish a session. But from some of the rules I've read in comps, they sort of encourage participants to kill as many things as possible in a, a specific time frame. And, that, and that's pretty unique, even amongst fishers. So there's uh, bass fishing in the US. Some competitions won't weigh dead fish. You know, there's a science behind keeping fish alive to the end of the day uh, when they're weighed in. And, you know, after the comp, if you want to take some food home, you can. Otherwise, the rest are released. Or, you know, sail fishing. A lot of the fish never leave the water. There's rules behind touching the leader and then cutting the fish away. And, you know, often the fish swims off unharmed. So I don't think you can really meaningfully influence death piles without shaping the competition scene. Uh, perhaps we could encourage competitions to weigh a few fish or restrict the number of fish taken to a few per day. Um, this could add an extra layer of skill to the competitions as well. You'd have to decide, you know, is something better likely to come along later? At the end of the day, uh, it's not about what we want as spearers or what we perceive. It's about what the public perceives. And we don't want spearfishing uh, to become the next greyhound racing. Partners of the New Spear Podcast, Neptonics.com. Neptonics offers the best spearfishing gear, spear guns, carbon fins, spear gun parts, and packages at the lowest prices. Go to Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% of anything at Neptonics.com. N O O B 10. Boom. All right, man. So it's perfect. Okay. I was going to bring comps up a couple of comments ago, actually, with competition. Now, I had a conversation today about comps, and comps are misunderstood is probably the best way of saying it. Now, I might sound like Ryan here, but comps have spread out. Say Sydney Alderman Shield, there's six clubs that compete. You might get 50 divers these days. 20 years ago, 100 divers, say. They're in boats, fast boats, and they can go 30 kilometres north, 30 kilometres south, and some even go out to the fats. So they've got five hours. With that, they probably dive, say, three hours in the water with that. So if there's 50 divers, it's 150 hours of fishing. At the end of the year, what gets weighed in, the total catch is about 
one year we had, I think we had eight comps in the year and 1.3 tonne, 1,300 kilos. Mate, that's, that's not even what's thrown off in shovels this waste on a Monday Arbo, the Sydney fish markets. It doesn't count, right? It's like, it's negligible what we take and do. I've written down here farmers earlier because I was going to say competition spiros of farmers. So when we're social, we don't shoot fish, the majority of us. Yeah, we look at the fish and go, oh, you'll be good for a competition later on. We'll leave you there. What happens when you go back there? Often it's not there. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So, and the way the scoring system is, is that, yeah, there's multiple fish on the score sheet and all of those fish are edible. Now, if I'd said that 20 years ago, people would have laughed at me and said, Sergeant Baker, red rock cod, jackets, pike, and bagged me for saying that. These days, the young blokes, the chefs, are showing how to cook sarjos, how to cook crimson bandits, how to cook these type of fish that were considered undesirable. The cultures now and the communities, the ethnic communities that are here in Sydney and spearfishing are loving all of these fish. It's great. So it spreads the effort because you've got to be able to go into the harbour. You've got to be able to go, if you want to be good, go into the harbour, estuaries, go and fish shallow white water, fish 8, 10 metres of kelp, fish sand lines, or fish 15, 16 metres. Yeah, there's a lot of territory you've got to cover. So the effort is spread and the catch rate is low. And I think also, and I'll continue on with this, and I'll probably miss 10 things and I'll come back later and say, damn, I should have said this and should have said that. But also without clubs, there's no organisation, there's no association. And Shrek, we wouldn't even be here having this conversation in Australia. 100%. There wouldn't be spearfishing because they were going to lock it up in the 40s, man, late 40s, because people were terrified about spearfishing. The commercial fish shows were saying they're going to slaughter everything. They're going to slaughter schools of tuna. That's quite unquote, mate, in TC roughly 1956. Okay, I think it's TC roughly 56. I'm pretty sure it is. The club scene in New South Wales is, is strong and the the fisheries management in New South Wales is is, is better than Queensland. I know that it's, it's it, there's some frailties in there and there's some parts where they fall down, but... And they're influenced and lobbied by government, so they're not perfect. But the fisheries is reactive and jumps on jumps on things when it's happening. Bit slow on abalone, very slow on Mulloway in use of very, very slow on Mulloway. I could condemn them with Mulloway, but with a lot of other species, great. Um, and they're slow on Mulloway because of commercial um, fishing, wanting to have smaller fish, etc. That's just been a debate that's gone on for years too many. Yeah, look, I, I can't bag Queensland. I like Queensland fishing laws. I like being going on a charter. I like going for 10 days. And if I can shoot X amount of trout, I'll shoot X amount of trout. No, in some ways it's really effective. Like both states have got some strengths and weaknesses. Like, you know, with New South Wales, I mean, they they stopped you from shooting blue groper completely and it's never changed. It's never been revoked or re-looked at. And yet Mulloway, which are definitely more vulnerable, the, the protections seem minimal. Um, and it, you know, it seems responsible, responsive and, and quite slow to move. But I don't know. I don't know. But look, I hope that kind of answers a little bit to Jesse in regards comps. Um, what you see is what you get. So the fish nowadays, back in the day, the old comps, the put, fish were put in a sugar bag, there were a cure of it, et cetera. All fish have got to be contained now. 95% of fish are in an esky and they're cold. And the fish are all edible and eat your catch. And those who don't dispose of their catch properly, they're caught or reported. And they're, they're disqualified from the comp and they're sort of, you know, given the, the stink eye, so to speak. So 
And that's that's very, very rare that it happens. The other thing I liked about the USFA comp scene was the data sharing that went on. Oh, man, thanks for bringing that up. So, yeah, so that was the USFA report that went to CSIRO. There was a young guy, Adrian Jelidoff. He, he lives on Thursday Island now. He's having a ball up there, spearing. Um, he did this for his um, bachelor, what do you call it? Master's thesis. Master's thesis. Um, he did this and got all the, the comp reports. And so the CSIRO had to agree to confidentiality and, and write this, that they wouldn't release stuff until we okayed it. But all of their, and they got comp score sheets from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to whenever AJ was around in the, the noughts. And the, the variance of the fish weights, et cetera, didn't ha- there's, there's no harm done. And they have actually asked us, why are these changes? And we said, oh, we took them off because people didn't want to, you know, the general public, you know, outcry and the, the members of the community said, oh, we shoot those, they're pretty colourful fish, crimson banded rats, take those off. Take this off. You know what CSIRO said? Can you put them back on? Because we want the data. This is fantastic. Okay, we're the only association that's got that data in the world, as far as I'm aware of. It's valuable. It's priceless beyond. So, yeah, competitions are awesome in that way. So thanks for bringing that up. Also, we introduced the Kingfish Cup in Sydney. So hence, we had over 200 sign-on in 2019, and I think 169 fished it. And then this year through COVID, sorry, in 2020 through COVID, we had 100, I think we had the same number fish it, 169, actually fish it. Not as many sign on, but the same amount fished it, which is fantastic. So that effort spread, man. Um, I can't remember that. 15 fish got shot or something amongst 160 bikes over two days. That's a competition. Tell me that's bad. So it's great research too. Hey guys, have you thought about buying a freediving watch? I think lots of us have. Many of the guests on our show swear by them. If you are sort of a little bit confused and overwhelmed by thinking about which freediving watch to buy, I've got some solution for you today. Go to spearfishing.com.au forward slash computers and have a look in there. There's an Adreno how-to video about how to choose a good dive watch. So go to spearfishing.com.au forward slash computers and watch their how-to vid on how to choose a good freediving watch. If you do decide to buy a watch from spearfishing.com.au, use the code NoobSpero and save $20 on every purchase over $200 and support the NoobSpero podcast at the same time. Thanks for listening, guys. I want to head over and chat with Eric Keener. Or he, like, I actually joined him for a, for a bit of a chat. We were chatting a few things. Eric's the founder of Fin and Forage, which is a fantastic blog and um, really good if you want actionable sort of recipes and stuff like just expand your horizons a bit with the fish you're cooking and the way you look at and think about fish. Eric was really cool and kind enough to join me and share his thoughts about death poles. Let's have a listen to that. We're talking today about dock of death or the death pile phenomena. You and I were chatting earlier about maturity phases of a spiro. Can you walk us through that model that you were chatting about earlier? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm, I don't think that I've already reached the end by any means, but from my understanding, um, and this is really common in the hunting world too, you've got your first stage, which is kill something, shoot your first fish. And you get excited and you, you eventually get to stage two, which is kill all of the fish. And then stage <laughs> three is kill the biggest fish. Uh, and it becomes yeah. this competitive thing where you're always posting the biggest fish on the coolest fish on Instagram. Uh, and then the fourth phase is more about selective harvesting and kind of slowing down off of the competitive or, or 
social media side of hunting. And then the fifth stage is really respecting the ocean, respecting the, the resource um, and making sure that the end result is um, is making use, the best use, the most ethical use of that resource, in this case, would be fish. And the, and the last stage is all about convincing the other bastards to move through the phases faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I used to do a lot of competing and um, it just something switched in the last, uh, this year about, you know, why am I shooting a fish for points? It just seemed kind of odd. And being that I really love to cook, um, my passion and motivation and the way I vocalized hunting moves and has moved more towards um, what can you do with the fish? We challenge ourselves to go deep and hunt hard places and go after difficult species, but why aren't we challenging ourselves more in the kitchen? And it's just another frontier in which you can enjoy the ocean and its bounty. Mm, mm, mm. So the Docker death photos, the, the death pile photos, um, what's it like in your part of the world on social media? Is it still a thing? Well, we don't have as much boat diving out here in Northern California. You get the charters that go out to the Channel Islands, but um, we, we just see typically um, the trends in Northern California, Central California, Oregon are how big is your lean cod, how big are your vermilion, how deep are you going, how big is your stringer. So it's kind of like a dock of death, but on a, on a bit of a smaller scale, just based on okay. you know regulations and stuff. We don't have as many charters as places like Florida and Hawaii would. Mm, okay. All right, cool. So you're looking at other parts of the world predominantly when you look at death pile phenomena? Uh, that, that would be my assumption, yeah. We, we have a lot of people that, especially the competition divers, that just go out and get massive amounts of fish and, you know, that, that's there, you know, holding them up for Instagram. But we don't, based on the lack of, of boat access to especially Northern California, um, you just don't get as many dock of death photos from our neck of the woods. So what's your message to, to Spiros that look at like dock of death and the guys that are maybe, you know, they're looking at people with death piles. I mean, do you think that we should actively talk to these people or engage with them or should we just leave it alone? What do you think? It's just, it's just a thing. Like it's a naturally occurring phenomenon. So just leave it be, or should we, or should we be speaking into it? What do you think? Well, if they, if it's a trend enough that a lot of people are doing it, it means that they're, there are followers that are liking those photos and, and showing, hey, we, we enjoy this content you're putting out. Um, so I think the people that have more skin in the game or more influential platforms on social media, they could actively, uh, without shaming, because I don't think shame should enter the realm of social media but um, or effective communication. But I, I think that if they're vocally promoting a different ethic, a different way to use your catch, a different way to enjoy the ocean, um, it will naturally take the limelight off of those Dock of Death photos because all of these newer Spiros that are coming in are like, oh, well, this guy I look up to says that's dumb, which, mm. by the way, those photos are hilarious because, you know, I, mm. it takes so much time to line up those fish perfectly in lines on the front <laughs> of your boot. Uh, and from a food perspective, fish protein, it, it, it goes bad the fastest out of all proteins and it goes bad very quickly in sunlight. So the first thing I think of when I see those images is like, dude, you just are you're ruining the shelf life of your of your catch. It's hilarious. I I don't understand why other Spiros like death piles because for me personally, on a selfish level, I look at it and I go, well, there's 25 fish that I could have shot. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like not all of them at once, probably like that. They've gone out and done. But like I look at it and I just go, they've taken just so much of the resource out in one time. But I, I mean, I get it because sometimes you do go on a meat run, you know, like and, and there's a time and a place for it. But I just, I don't, 
not advertise it. Like, well, I, I think another thing that we should do, especially in, in just when when you see one of those photos, context is very important too. Because is it a is it a charter that is promoting those things to say, hey, my business does well, and I would like to have more clients. Um, if that's the case, I think there are other ways to communicate that. You can just talk fish numbers if you want or something. Uh, you know, I don't know how you go around it off the top of my head, but I just think taking that into it is how, how big was the group of divers? What's your motivation for posting it? And, and those are the things before we want to formulate opinions and, and, and shame someone or bash someone on, on what they're posting. Uh, we should really understand yeah. it. And then have, like you said, a, a, a plan for communicating with those people. I think we should take an active role to help steer them to a different method of, of communication and an active role in we who have influence to promote it actively. Well, here's an idea for the charters. Spend a little bit more money on a, on a decent camera and actually video them like with a triple hookup, you know, because, you know, if they're, if they're line fishing, for example, and then, you know, chat with one person holding up their best fish of the day and just get a paragraph of text out of them. Make that your social 100%. media person. We actually were just on a charter down in San Diego, Zenmar, earlier this year. And um, and their whole purpose is to, yes, they're a spearfishing charter, but their whole purpose is to have an enjoyable time from the moment you leave the dock to the moment you get back. And so they're, they're cooking for you out on the water. We slept on the boat. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we go onto the land and play around, you know, you could go surf, you could do a lot of different things. And I, I love the ocean enjoyment aspect that, you know, mm. that they're promoting. I think that's a really good format. Awesome, Eric. Um, tell, can you just share with people a little bit about where they can come and find you and connect with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, personally, I'm the Keenaroo on uh, social media. But more importantly, um, I'd love it if you went and checked out finandforage.com. We're on all the social media channels, YouTube, and we consistently put out what we try to have as major helpful articles or blogs or videos to, to make you a better um, diver, safer diver, or, you know, more confident in the kitchen. I'm even exploring the world of coastal foraging because there's a lot of ways to collect delicious food other than just shooting a fish. I love it, man. It's a beautiful website to navigate. The image is just awesome. Though. It's inspiring all on its own. So finandforage.com. I'd encourage everyone to go and check that out as well because I'm enjoying it myself. All right, Eric. Cool. Thanks. Good. Great for catch up today, man. All right, man. Good, good to talk to you again. A bit of a longer chat there with Eric. Um, really like him. I really like what he's doing over at Fin and Forage. Um, had some cool points. What did you think, Simon? Look, um, so the stages. Uh, we've got the beginner stage that I want to shoot a fish. And the bagging out stage, I want to shoot lots of fish. The trophy stage, I want to shoot the biggest fish. And then we've got the method stage here that I want to improve my gear and my skill. So that's stage four. Got two more stages. Stage five is the sportsman stage where I just like spearfishing. It seems to be sort of Eric's mojo at the moment. Um, and stage six is the statesman stage that I mentioned to you before. I want to give back to the environment and my tribe. So we've got six stages. But in saying that, it, if they're fluid, they're not fixed. You can jump from one to the other at any stage. So it's and it's not labelling anyone. So fascinating that he's brought that up and sees it like that. A bit of just enjoyment, having fun which is what it's about, and his perspective is cool and context, and we've heard context in lots of chats. And the guys I spoke to today who I admire and revere, and they're all ages, they're all about context, the legalities, the, the respect of the fish. Is it ethical? Or even if it's legal, is it ethical? Is it right to show that photo? One of the other points he made too was like, 
you know, you've spent 10 or 15 minutes arranging these fish into these really elaborate sort of setups for some huge photo. And that 15 minutes in the hot sun on the, you know, like on the on the tar and cement, like you've done nothing for the quality, eating quality of, you know, however many fish it is that you've just laid out. True. And then remember, these guys normally have a comb in their wetsuit as well <laughs> that they pull out to right? <laughs> All right. Hey, just conscious this time, Simon, it's getting late down there in Sydney and your lovely wife's been incredibly patient. Let's head off to our last voice message. This bloke's name's Ed Martin. He's been a long-time patron. He's the builder of Killshot Spear Guns. I really like what he had to say about death poles, and I thought this voicemail was a really nice way to wrap out this episode. Um, as usual, though, for you know everyone that listens to the podcast, if you want to connect with the Noob Spear on a deeper level, join the Noob Spear community group on Facebook. We've got a couple of fantastic moderators on there, who you know Kurt and Ben, who are helping me out just to run a fantastic group. And the conversation on there is rich. It's vibrant. It's a it's a it's a safe place to have controversial opinions on everything and just have a real good robust discussions uh, if you want to support the show on a deeper level you can always become a patron at uh, patreon.com forward slash noobspiro but here we go let's dig into ed martin's voice message i again he's another bloke that i've just got a just a blossoming bromance with so here we go with uh, ed martin hey shrek this is ed at kill shot spear guns bringing you greetings from sunny florida um Hopefully you guys are nice and safe down there south of the equator. I haven't seen anything crazy in the news. So Doc of Death, boy, there's a hot one. First of all, I, I think I got to point out, I've done it. Um, I think most of us have probably posted a photograph where there's a couple dozen fish laying on the deck or laying on a cutting board or something like that. And we're kind of showing off how well we did. But I also think that most of us have outgrown those kinds of photographs. And I've, I've certainly never... I don't even think I've taken as many fish as I've ever seen on those boats um, in a single day. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, you know, talking about not making sense. um, So social media is kind of a little echo chamber, you know, there's very little context that is put with a lot of these photographs. Hey, me and the boys had a great day spearfishing. And then there's 2 million fish laying there or, oh, we got our multi-day limit. It invites a lot of questions. And I think anybody that's critical of spearfishing, they just got all the justification they needed to uh, to hate us all. So I, I, I don't really think those photographs serve a good purpose. That being said, I live in a country where our very first constitutional amendment is the right to free speech. And I believe that everybody ought to be able to post whatever the hell they want. Now, when you post something like that, though, you have opened yourself up to criticism and me to reply back because I have the right to free speech as well. Now, typically, though, I'm not going to attack somebody in the comments. Um, If I find something that I don't really like, oftentimes I'm going to try to coach them through direct messaging instead. And oftentimes I'll even invite them to have a phone call just so that I can get a little bit of context. It's it's one of those things. It's really hard for me to be a dick to somebody when they're uh, when when I'm talking directly to them. And it's very difficult for them to be that way, too. And it's very difficult to convey emotion via the written word, particularly, you know, in 15, 20 words or less. So, you know, it doesn't really lend itself to emotion. So what's the real reason I don't like these photos? Be quite honest. It makes it very easy for people to use them as justification to increase regulation or to just outright ban spearfishing. Last year, they tried to stop spearfishing in all of Biscayne Bay up south of Miami, and they were using photographs like that to make their case. 
So just think about that for a few minutes. Shrek, that's what I've got. Um, take it for what it's worth. Hey, mate, you, uh, you finished on a good one there. Actually, they've all been insightful. Again, recurring themes. Yeah. But that was very, very cool what he mm-hmm. said there. What 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 did you get out of that? I um yeah, like you said, recurring themes. I just thought he wrapped it up really nicely. I I agree with Ed's sentiment a hundred percent. There's another guy. He didn't send me a voice message, but he sent a lot of comments, and and it was again around the same themes. It was about hey guys, provide some context and some education around these death polls if you're going to post them. You know, make sure people understand you know the process and how you got to this photo because without context, it's just it's awful. Um, you know, another thing Charles sort of said was, you know, he believes in a freedom of speech and I don't want to be some thought police prick that's st- sitting up there on my whole horse determining what people can and can't do either. But I definitely want to encourage people to think and be more intentional about their spearfishing. I think Ed was the same and he and he, and he drew some really neat uh, parallels there to some some um, issues that are happening in his area that could potentially lock spearfishing out. And um, that's a powerful, powerful reason not to share these photos. It's probably the most as far as I'm concerned, but um, everyone has their own opinion on it. And uh, I was just stoked we got to have this conversation, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Shrek. It's very, I'm very passionate about it. I Regularly you see these type of things brought up and or on an individual species as well um, or a particular marine, you know, creature that gets speared for food and someone posts it up and yeah, the death pile or, or an individual fish, whether it's size or not, or rarity, scarcity, man, yeah, and there's a case for and there's the case against and and, and like he said there at the end there, like, you know, you've got to understand you've got a right to, to express that and you've got to, you know, someone else has got a right to express their displeasure, displeasure with it. A conversation often over the phone or face-to-face can, can often fix that. But it's always going to go on, man. And this is what I mean. And a couple of other guys have said it that I don't think it's ever going to stop. But maybe that we can educate people sooner rather than taking years and years to understand. They get it done in just a few photos. That's a good note and a note of hope to end on that um, that that perhaps we're all helping each other and we're growing this uh, this international. It's an international spearfishing community these days. Social media has made it so. And I just sort of think um, it's it's got its good points in terms of learning from each other. And uh, maybe this is just something that we can all think a little bit more intentionally about and um, and bring the next generation through with um, with eyes wide open, you know, more informed than we were when we started, you know. Mate, I really appreciate you inviting me on here to discuss this. Thank you. It's been great. And I want you a little black book of all your contacts around the world, mate, when I go. <laughs> You're more than welcome to it, Simon. Um, Simon, where can people find you? You run spearfishing courses. You'll never, you don't like self-promotion, so I'll do it for you. You teach awesome spearfishing courses. You've got a couple of spearfishing workshops. They're some of the only ones run in the country. Where can people come and find out about that these days? Uh, uh, spearfishingacademy.com.au. So I finally got a website up. I've been word of mouth for so long. But, um, yeah, I've been really busy. It's been great. I'm putting lots of smiles on people's faces and just there's another recurring theme there, enjoyment. I'm just taking guys out, just have fun and enjoy it. No, you know, not putting anything on anybody. Just get out there, enjoy your dive or work on your technique, get your diving safely and hunting a little bit smarter and hopefully catch a nice fish for dinner. Cheers, man. I appreciate that. Well, thanks for chatting me about death poles. Doc of death. 
we're uh, we're over and out. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. Ciao. Guys, massive episode today. Really wanted to thank Simon Tripp and all of the patron listeners and other people that submitted uh, voice messages and, and contributed to this discussion. Um, huge thanks to all of you guys that got involved and just, you know, we had a, I, th- I felt like we had a really well-rounded and, and vibrant discussion about this topic. I hope it's given you some ideas and some food for thought. If you want to get involved in the discussion, I would encourage you to do so uh, on the Noob Spirit community on Facebook. If you want to find that today, uh, go to noobspirit.com forward slash death pile and in that I'll link up the Noob Spirit community on Facebook. There will be a thread in there just discussing this this thing. I'd love to hear your thoughts and more right there at the Noob Spirit community on Facebook. Again, if you love the podcast, come and sponsor us. Jump on uh, patreon.com forward slash noobspirit. If you're a listener and you love listening, I'd encourage you to do so that you can support us on an episode by episode basis. I try and use all of that funds to get out Come do spearfishing trips, meet listeners, and do some live interviews. Anyway, that's it for me today. Hope you enjoyed it. Shrek out. Adreno Spearfishing are today's proud sponsor of the Noob Spiro podcast. They stock a huge range of equipment that you can find in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and now Perth. That's right, spearfishing.com.au have got a huge range of gear. I encourage you to get along. Use the code Noob Spiro, N-O-O-B. S-P-E-A-R-O and save yourself $20 on every purchase over $200 when you shop online. Neptonics.com, spear gun hardware specialists, proud partners of the Noob Spiro podcast. They make, design and manufacture some of the best gear to land your fish of a lifetime. Visit Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-1-0. The visit Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% off store-wide.